0: Hello and welcome back to the Middleman Podcast, where I think this week, to be fair, Max, it's just boxing, 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 which is you in a nutshell, you <laughs> you to a T. You, you you love your boxing, so do I, and we've been blessed with it, especially on the British front mm. this week, and we've got a great weekend of boxing coming up as well, but there's only one place we can start yep. with Mr. Brook, Mr. The Khan, only place. Kelbrook, Amir Khan, Kelbrook Amican, Kel Brook doing a, a job on Amikhan. Khan. And if you said before that fight, if you asked me before kind of had it down it's very 50-50 Khan had 39 fights before Saturday uh, he'd faced either a current or former world champion on 11 occasions beat 7 Brook 42 fights beat 2 world champions having faced 4 so they were pretty even I thought it was a pretty even contest going into it how wrong was I Khan landed just 19 power punches to Brook's 64 and then there's that mighty 6th round stoppage and then the score was finally settled and I-, I wasn't sure if it would be actually did you hear about the glove thing at the start
1: yeah, so I was I was actually late watching. I mean, when I tuned in, I was I was watching. um Khan walk out, so I, I missed the Brook walk out, and um, didn't see the whole glove thing. But I heard about it with the commentary as the fight progressed, and I heard Cal uh, say something about it after the fight. And I just I don't know. I don't even know what Some went on Something to
0: do with the weight, the weight, and the, the kind of specification of the gloves. And I think it was was it was it Khan.
1: I think I think it was Khan because mm. this is what Brook was saying, especially after the fight. Um, is that Khan has just been trying to his him and his camp were just trying to get into Brook's head. Even even up until the ring walk, he said that he had um, someone, a member of Khan's team, knocking on his door at three to four in the morning the night before to disturb his sleep.
0: But it didn't work.
1: It didn't work at all. Um, and he kind of paid the price for for doing uh, for trying to go about it in a in a dirty way like that. And yeah, I mean, if that was another ploy for Khan to try and get one up on Brook before the fight it didn't work as you said um and it, I, it didn't matter to brooke I, he's done really well to just keep a cool composed head all the way through from the first press conference into the fight so fair play to him
0: yeah he batted Khan in, into submission and we, yeah. we we sort of watched it together um not that I, I remember a lot of Saturday <laughs> night and uh, you say you were late tuning in you said you could hear the commentary I'm very surprised you yeah for <laughs> any of that commentary uh shout to DJ Jenny on the decks but yeah, um, yeah listen it was it was a great night of boxing it's simply a case of Brook being just way too powerful for Khan
1: yeah uh, exactly that and that's what I was telling people I was um, with you for a, a lot of the time in terms of thinking this as, as just a 50-50 fight and I think Khan persuaded a lot of people just by the way he went about the build up to the fight you know if you actually look at his I mean he had a great before that fight uh, against Billy Dib, his, his last fight, was, he performed great, you know. Um, he had a, a mad body shot that, that knocked Billy Dib down. So that is persuasive in itself to think that Khan can go and do a job on Brook, but it's the way that Khan just uh, conducted himself through the press conferences. I watched the gloves are off with him, and he was he was the confident-looking guy. And I think a lot of people just To hide of, his insecurities? Yeah, potentially, but I, I, I don't even think not necessarily just that, just to kind of boost his own confidence and, and sell the fight because oh, that's what you got to do at the end of the day and I think he did that really well but it, in doing that, it made a lot of people think that he was going to win the fight but when you just look at it, just in terms of raw boxing ability and and how these two fighters perform, um, I was pretty sure that, that Khan would do it. I didn't think um, he would do it that early. I said um, my, my mate's dad was putting a bet on it and he said, if I give him the round, and who who to win, then he would both give us uh, twenty quid back. Oh, so I'm, I missed out on that because I said uh, I said Brooke in the ninth, but he was able. You weren't to, far off. I wasn't far. I'll, I'll take it. But I said I knew that Brooke was going to break him down because he has the power. Both of them, you know how low their punch resistance is at this point in their careers. They they're not great at taking a punch. We saw we saw it with Brook against Crawford. Um, he took he took just one shot. It was just a switch jab, and and it it spelled the beginning of the end. So, and Crawford I thought, was in Khan's corner on on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's pretty cool, you know, for uh, that situation for Crawford to watch it unfold because he's fought both of them. But I think Khan did a, a great thing in uh, in bringing Crawford in. Obviously, you know the pound for pound number two in the world you, you're gonna want someone to to train with like that so I think Khan did everything right in the build-up in terms of selling the fight in terms of training his hardest as I said just punch resistance neither of them have it but Brooke was the first to exploit it from the first round to the sixth so
0: yeah really enjoyable fight and heart and Khan showed a lot of heart and that's what I love about boxing as well they're both 35 years old so you know when Khan said at the end it's an age thing well Kel's also yeah, 35 yeah exactly but, yeah, they, they 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 never lose that fighter's instinct you lose your speed and, and your reaction somewhat but say what you want say what you want about these two it was a class night of boxing and the respect shown at the end between the two was really refreshing because it, yeah. there was a lot of animosity going into it i mean we know these guys hate each other yeah this this fight was five years too late and that's just my opinion but it was it was five years too late still a great fight came too late but at least they showed the respect at the end
1: yeah definitely and um you were saying about the, the bad blood knit, I remember as I was saying I watched the Gloves Are Off episode. I think we we're about a minute and a half in, they're both already like standing over the table ready to like throw one at each other, just uh, just going back and forth verbally. Uh they they loved it. They loved they loved it all. Even the trainers, we, I I put something on my Insta, I think a couple a couple of days before the fight with um Brian McIntyre, Mac, Khan's trainer, and obviously Dominic Ingle, uh Brooks trainer and they were just having it off in the press conference as well it's, it's, it's what sells the fight it really is um, and yeah I mean Brooke and his team didn't underperform and, and they overperformed and uh, as you said the the respect towards the end it's got to be done isn't it really Yeah. It has, it especially has to be. when you know it's probably each other's retirement fights uh, you, you got to show that respect
0: well you say that I mean it's Khan's retirement fight yeah it, I don't think it's Brooks but just quickly going back to something and the money that each man took out of that fight I mean you said Brook overachieved he, yeah. he didn't overachieve in terms of purse and the, this is the only thing I, I struggle with, with with boxing in any other sport you finish above someone else in the Premier League you get more money that's how it works Khan yep. comes out of this fight with 5 million Brook comes out with 3 even though Brook I know this and that, that's how boxing works yeah. with, with purse bits but for the neutral kind of sports fan they're going to look at this and think how come Brook kind of destroys Ami Khan it sends him into submission 6th round stoppage all over him and comes out worse off financially
1: this this is the thing The when it comes to purses and it comes to what you're going to get paid for the fight the actual n- the actual fight doesn't necessarily d- determine who's getting paid more It's who's going into it, it's who's the A side who is the big one, whose name is first when you're going Khan Brook is it Khan Brook or is it Brook Khan and if it was Brook Kahn, then he would be better off financially. But it's the, it's the A-side. He's the favourite, so he's just going to get more of the money. And that's the way it goes. As you said, especially for someone who, who doesn't know that factor in the sport and they're just, like, seeing someone who, who batters another fighter and then is confused as to why they're not getting paid, This it's true. It's, I would understand that. But it's not necessarily about what goes on in the fight. It's what goes on before, how you build your profile and, and how you bag that A-side because... The A-side fighter is the one who gets paid.
0: Is it Fury White or White Fury? No, oh. <laughs> we'll get onto that. Get onto that a, l- a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but you, you call it the retirement fight. Khan has now hinted at retirement. I think that's it's it's going to be the way it goes. Can't be the world champion. He's been a silver Olympic medalist. He's shared the ring with Canelo, Terence Crawford. Who, like I said, had in his corner on Saturday night, and he's earned his money. And and then you've got Kel Brook, who all of a sudden is is back in with. The big boys, Conor Ben wants to fight him, Chris Eubank wants to fight him. Where do you think Kel's gonna go next? Who who do you think is the most likely opponent? I think, like we said, off Mike, Conor yeah. Ben would just completely destroy yeah. Kelbrook.
1: I would I would hate to see him in there with either.
0: Just because even Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah.
1: Because Eubank's Eubanks too heavy. Mm. And we we saw him on Twitter going back and forth. Uh Carl said to him, he said 154 pounds. Or um, or just keep keep my name out of your mouth, you know. So, because this is this is confusing for me. I, mean, I remember we were talking about when Brook Khan first got or Khan Brook first got announced, and we were talking about Conor Ben wanting to fight the winner, and mm. we were like, "What does that do for his career?" Yeah. I mean, I still have the same standpoint with Ben, and then with Eubank Junior. I'm I'm thinking this guy's in his thirties. It's even more, it's even more confusing to me. Chase, you want to be doing everything in your power to be getting a fight with Gennady Golovkin. Rather than getting Cal Brook, you, I think, I think both men are saying it because they both know that they have really high chances of beating him because they're both powerful for their weight.
0: But they don't with Golovkin.
1: Yeah, I mean, Golovkin. What well, is you on about with Chris Eubank Jr.? Yeah, I mean, it, it, nah, it's, Eubank Jr. loses to Golovkin now.
0: But I'm saying, is that why he's chasing? Oh, because he Kyle knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. because yeah, he knows that he he doesn't have a chance against Golovkin.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can imagine so. But then you're just ignoring your any glory involved in your career you're ignoring any legacy that could be attached to your career even if you fight Golovkin and lose you see how happy we were in what 2016 when Brook fought him yeah Brook fought him got battered and we we're like do you know what fair play he actually stepped in the ring when nobody wanted to do that with Golovkin truth be told took an adverse effect on his career because now he's got the metal plates in his eyes because he suffered like all the the orbital fractures and Golovkin basically broke his face but he's, he's managed to get in there, obviously got the win back against Khan. It's just confusing for me to see um, Brook and Eubank chasing those fights because it's not going to be fun to watch. It's not going to be fun because it's just going to be one man teeing off on the other. Brook might be able to give them, you might have his moments and be able to give them trouble in the fight, but I'm thinking this is a 35-year-old man who should have had, he's coming off a win... Which is a great way to to finish his career off, and
0: He's, it was a special way. That would be yeah, if, definitely. If, if they end if they end their careers on Saturday night, how special is that? It's a grudge match that's finally been settled between two guys that hate each other, and this is a story that goes back years. So, yeah. I, I think you're right. I don't think Connor Connor Ben or Chris Eubank Jr. can gain anything positive from fighting Kelbrook Brook. If anything, Cal Brooks a dark horse He still got it we saw that on yeah. Saturday night against Amir Khan so I think you're spot on with everything you said there and we'll see what happens with Kelbrook I think Amir Khan will retire now I think Kelbrook's probably got one or two fights left in him but we'll see how he goes and the interesting thing is we're talking about guys in the 30s Fraser Clark on the undercard of Kelbrook Amir Khan in his 30s has his first ever pro fight makes his professional debut and the story behind it is absolutely insane it was a first round stoppage by the way against a journeyman Jake Darnell Yeah, I say journeyman <laughs> uh, I think journeyman's being kind this guy <laughs> right Jake Darnell had only ever fought at white collar level like really apparently like 10 years ago he did some amateur fight this guy is a boxing fan Jake Darnell and essentially what happened was he went to the weigh in in Manchester for Carham Brook and says to his manager who's there listen mate can you get me a ticket to the fight the manager says, "Absolutely not! It's not happening." Fight's completely sold out. Twenty-four hours later, he rings this guy, Jake Darnell, this absolutely like massively overweight boxer. If he, is he is he even a boxer? <laughs> Calls him up, says, "Right, I got your ticket to the fight." Jake Darnell says, "Great." he Says one condition: you're fighting Fraser Clark. <laughs> um, and Fraser Clark, and I, I told you this story the other day. And Fraser Clark came on Radio Derby and told this great story where, at the weigh-in, he's going around taking pictures with fans. Jake Darnell gets his arm around him gets a selfie Fraser's just like thinks it's a normal fan Jake Darnell's saying I'm going to fight you tomorrow just an unbelievably <laughs> insane story and it, it's almost like it's from a Rocky film yeah it is, only it's this, kind of fairytale no stuff yeah. isn't it?
1: <laughs> the way you just I can just imagine like it would catch me completely off guard if I was Fraser Clark and I just thought I'd taken a picture with a fan and they just, and they just let me know that uh, they're fighting me tomorrow I'd be like whoa wait what Thought you had your opponent planned out, didn't it? But that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, you, you see that a lot more on, uh, on amateur level, the way people fill in on really short notice. But you gotta respect that. You know, he he wasn't afraid to jump in there, even if he didn't have much um, boxing experience. And that's not to disregard Fraser as well. No. His uh, his op- his opponents and the caliber of them are gonna improve like like in any uh, Olympian's pro career. I can imagine him in the next four fights going for. Going for more like top ranked guys, but you know what? What a way to to start your pro debut, and what a great <laughs> story to come from it. it I think that's it, unreal.
0: It is a great story. Jake Donnell said, and, and this is credit to Fraser. He was double nice to me. I can't praise him highly enough. He thanked me for stepping in at the last minute. He bought me drinks, and for all of our table, we bought drinks. And he said that we're more than welcome to go down a spar with him and train train with him at Loughborough. So that's great. That's just it? Fraser to a tee. I just
1: I, I got I got a question though. What what this situation raises is, would you? So if there was somebody if you had all the experience that this Jake Darnell did, right, maybe you fought a white collar, you might have had a few amateur fights in your time, but you haven't like maybe fought for a while. Um or you haven't fought as anyone as big as someone that's fighting on this card, but you want to go and watch this card, right? Just like he did. Um, but you have to fight someone. <laughs> fight someone that is as good a nice as Plaza card as well. Definitely, yeah. Would you? Would you take it and I, possibly like risk getting knocked out just to just to be in there?
0: I'd look. I'd risk getting my nose bashed in and having a, a nose job a couple of weeks <laughs> later for the amount of, the amount of money he would have got from that once in a lifetime fight. And you can say you fought on the undercard of That's Khan Brook. That's some memories, isn't is it?
1: If you can remember any of it, if they don't unreal, hit you hard enough,
0: <laughs> unreal. Uh, in Manchester, in front of a massive, massive crowd, in front yeah. of a, a paying TV audience, would you?
1: I mean. I'm just trying to I'm just trying to think of, like, what boxer could be on there. So I'm probably around, probably, like, closer to, I'd say, like, about 160. So I'm about middleweight or maybe, like, a, a 154, maybe, like, super welterweight. Uh, so
0: let's say, okay, here's, here's an example. Let's okay. say Zach Parker. He's <laughs> so this is the perfect example. Let's say Zach Parker. <laughs> I say he's
1: super middle in I'm to like, have to Don't, don't give me complications. Right. I'm, trying, I'm okay, trying to work yeah, with yeah. This, Okay, right? okay. So
0: Zach, Zach Parker's fighting in Derby. Okay. He's fighting at Pride Park. And he's got this opponent. He pulls out because of COVID. You're at the waiting in You say to your manager, "Get me a ticket." Manager turns around the next day, and says, "Right, you're fighting Zach Parker. That, but you haven't. You've. You're an amateur boxer, Max. You're a Welsh champion. Would you take it?
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, luckily, I think this. This is what when you put it into the perspective of this, this is what makes me appreciate Clark's opponent even more because this is a like he's fighting a, a bronze medal Olympic heavyweight mm. heavyweight though so that, them shots are going to be harder than any of Zach Parker's so I think he would definitely I mean I've seen Zach Parker's body shots um, I would not want to eat one of them but if it's to I don't, I don't know because you can say yeah you fought on the undercard of whatever you fought in Pride Park but then when I say I thought people would get the footage up and just see me getting battered <laughs> that, by, by Zach true. Parker so it's a little more true. embarrassing I think than it is rewarding
0: I don't think it's embarrassing for
1: but but i go in there and give it a go do you know absolutely. why not if I get a little paycheck and some a pint Jake off Dinell's, Parker yeah well. and that's Jake
0: Donnell's attitude yeah. I think he's gone in there and he's got a story to tell his grandkids and it, he's featured on how many people can say they featured on a massive card in yeah. Manchester going live out on, on pay per view it, it, it's insane um but back to big phrase it's pretty obvious he's got to step up his opponent next time that wasn't his fault anyway that he didn't have a proper opponent yeah it's
1: just that's that's how it goes I wouldn't I mean anyone expecting him to fight someone like in the in the top even even in the top 20 that's not his how it debut works, yeah. it's not how it works is it
0: but but the next fight has to be someone with a little bit of a background
1: yeah yeah uh, definitely I mean maybe even if it's like a, a Richard Larty or someone mm. uh, is he I'm pretty sure he's heavyweight he's not cruiser is he but yeah, no, like some someone like that who's who's maybe fought a few, um, fought a few kind of up and coming British heavyweights because I know like he fought like Fabio Wardley, um, so like someone who's like that who's who's been around a bit more experienced um, and makes it, you know, just gives gives Clark a, a bit of a hard time, um, you know, not one not one where they look on on stealing the fight or, or winning the fight, but something that just gives. Um, that's, that's what they want more, to do a bit with. bit more of a challenge yeah but... that's what they want to do with Olympians just kind of ease them into it and then that just develops them well to take on the top 10s in I reckon in a couple of years
0: certainly does well from a, a British heavyweight just starting out in big phrase uh, in the pro <laughs> ranks the two seasoned professionals <laughs> Max is just dying here yeah, <coughs> you okay Max? Is Max right? it's the thought of fighting Zach Parker. right yeah Absolutely scared, me. scared take the, the water wind out, out of
1: him. me um, don't don't drink water while well podcasting, kids. So, so really advice. So sorry, Honestly, man. You're in full flow as well. No, it's fine. Go on. You got this. Nice
0: little switch, but nice little transition. Go man, on. Hit right it. Right now, right. we'll, we'll go back to it. So, from a British heavyweight just starting out in the pro ranks to two seasoned professionals, let's go on to Fury White, Dillian White will challenge Tyson Fury for the WBC heavyweight belt, which could lead to the undisputed world title clash against the winner of Alexander Usyk's rematch with Anthony Joshua. That would be for the WBA, IBF, and WBO belts. Uh, it was it was a deadline day deal in terms of contracts. I mean, White had to wait until 6 a.m. on Tuesday to sign, and he did. And it's happening. It's the 23rd of April at Wembley Stadium. White obviously holds that WBC interim title after the rematch with Alexander Alexander Povetkin last March. This is Fury's first bout since uh, he retained his WBC belt with the 11th round stoppage knockout uh, against Deontay Wilder in October. Um, here are the technicalities. Fury, 33 years old, he's set to receive 80% of all earnings of the purse. Um, around 20 million. White gets the remaining 20%. Here's what David Hay had to say: It's a perfect clash. Both in their physical peak, both in their prime. It's not Brook and Khan. That fight was five or six years past their prime. This one, they're both prime and ready. It's the ultimate heavyweight showdown. For me, there's only one winner: it's Tyson Fury. Yeah. I don't see him losing in any universe. But at least we've got a fight on our hands.
1: Yeah, no, we can we can be thankful of that much. And everyone was saying, "Oh, what's the point in having this fight when, um, when Fury's just going to beat White?" It's it's more than that. Well, you got to think of it. You got to kind of have the perspective of White. You know, go, jump, put yourself into his shoes, uh, have have his point of view about this. He's been chasing a, a he has he's never had one before. Never had a, a heavyweight world title shot before. Which is unfair and exactly. and it's, and it's
0: wrong and it's it's.
1: You know, this guy's been waiting so long, and that—that's why it surprised me that it was such a um, there was it was such a prolonged time for him to sign the contracts. So I thought he'd just go boom straight away. Well, I think, I think maybe he he's trying to, to get, get into as, get as
0: much out of it as he could. Yeah,
1: maybe he's trying to milk the situation, get into Fury's head, which I think he's done a little bit because all I've seen before Fury's declared this social media blackout <laughs> as he does, like uh, before fights. He's. Oh, I've just seen him on my on my feed all the time, just he's calling. Got, him he's out. going to Tyson Fury's head. I think, yeah, without a I, doubt. I, I think I think it's made Fury just. I think it's rattled him. I don't think that's going to change anything come fight night, but I think it has rattled him a little bit. Um, you know, Fury's a Fury's a mentality monster, but I think I think White just doing that has kind of maybe riled him up a little bit because Fury did not stop pumping out content, just calling him out and 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 insulting him and whatnot. So. You know, whatever it is, anyway, whatever White's reasons were, we we have a we have a title fight, and finally we get to see Fury for the first time in what about three three or four years fight someone that isn't Deontay Wilder. So that's refreshing yeah. in itself.
0: It, it is, and also that the big the big thing that I mentioned is this could lead finally to that fight with Anthony Joshua. Yeah, and and that's what also also why I want Tyson Fury to win. Not that I don't like Dillian White because I do. I think as a person as well, he comes across as a as a genuinely good guy. Yeah. That's put everything into boxing and hasn't necessarily got, gotten what he deserves back from the sport. Now's his now's his chance. Now's his chance. Is it last chance, Saloon?
1: Um in, in terms of in terms of world title shots I'd say yeah. Yeah. But I think if Slash When he loses, um, he's gonna he's still gonna knock around cause he he's proved. He's proved for the last pretty much the last five years that he is he is world class and he's well up there. With everyone, um, and, and he proved that with his redemption win against Povetkin last year. So um, he's he's done everything he can to get this title shot. Now's the time for it. Th- but this is the problem. It is just a nightmare matchup for him because you look at you look at Dillian White. He's a he's the type of guy who uses his size. He brawls, but he, he likes to use his strength, use his weight. And this is Completely why say, the opposite, this too. is why I say Tyson Fury is just a cheat code because he's he's bigger than white he's heavy, he's taller and heavier than white so that takes away everything that white would normally do to an opponent so the way he's got to just adapt his whole his whole style and I just don't think I don't think that's possible for any fighter so it's a massive uphill battle but if he wants it bad enough then he'll he'll throw everything he can at, at fury
0: let's say hypothetically white beats fury yeah. which which is un- very I bet, I bet you get good odds for that by the way yeah, very very definitely. unlikely and, and then we get white joshua who wins white joshua
1: um, I think I think Joshua. Let's let's not, because people people get carried away um, when Joshua loses one, they write him off straight. I don't I don't understand why. Um, I-,
0: I think there's still with Joshua this narrative that he hasn't fought anyone worthy. That, that but he's got he but he's got the best he's
1: got the best resume. He I has think he has got the best resume in the division right now.
0: Even with the loss to Ruiz, even yeah
1: with- yeah yeah. But you look at the names that he's fought and beat. I don't think anyone's Klitschko. fought as as many as many world champions. Do you know what I mean? So I mean, saying that White also has a great resume, and Fury's kind of beefing it up now. U6 has been great, but it hasn't been in the heavyweight division until until now. And obviously with the addition of Joshua, it's on its way. But when you're looking at like from from the start to finish, Joshua so far is, is to me the best resume. Um, but everyone just writes him off and declares him as this awful boxer as soon as he loses i I think he still beats most people i think he's still like top three in the division
0: i think it's because he he looks like a celebrity he's a good look yeah it's it's the same with jack Grealish. yeah facts yeah it's similar jack Grealish is this kind of supermodel guy he's a a pretty boy he's a pretty boy he's the post he's the poster boy right yeah And, and people people give him a lot of hate just because of that and forget the outside
1: <laughs> of his ability for, of football because he's a I've baller people
0: say ridiculous things I've heard people say Jack Greenish is only there because he's a good looking guy Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Rooney is the ugliest guy on planet earth and he won't <laughs> mind me saying that right Wayne Rooney is not the best looking chap yeah still one of the best ever it doesn't make a difference whether you look good or you look bad yeah if you've got the talent you've got the talent and, and speaking of people who have got the talent and will move on to like Anthony Joshua an Olympic gold medalist, another British boxer, another British boxer making his debut. So we had Fraser Clark last week, professional debut, I should say. Yeah. Gold medalist Galayefi, uh, so he fights on Lawrence Acoli's card this weekend. Akooley takes on Michael. Uh, good luck pronouncing that surname <laughs> I'm going to give it a go <laughs> the, the
1: Polish ones the Polish ones are a bit they're, they're just difficult for me I'm going to try yeah, Michael's like S- oh.
0: she's la- she's sh- she's yeah. we'll call him Michael so Lawrence is going to go yeah. take some Michael sorry this, Michael sorry Mike this Sunday in the second defence of his WBA cruiserweight champion uh, well it's the it's du- second defence of having that belt the WBA yeah. cruiserweight championship um, Galau makes his debut on that fight the fight takes place at the O2 Arena um, despite the roof being blown off do <laughs> you hear Eddie Hearn saying we're going to blow the roof off again oh so, so Yeah, you. That's, um, that is,
1: that's the intuity there
0: <laughs> but it's a great card 10,000 people watching on as Michael who's uh, 21 to 1 and he'll not only take on Acoli's title but he'll also seek to ruin the 29 year old's unbeaten record of 17 and 0 mm. and then as well as Galahia Fire taking on Carlos uh, Vado um Batista B- Batista thank you with a WBC international flyweight title up for grabs you've also got Campbell Hatton who's back and he takes on Joe Ducker so you've got again another night of big British boxing it's a stacked card it, that is
1: I mean to be fair it doesn't take a lot for me to say it's a stat card because you can give me just three fights like that and, and I'm happy to watch it and I think I think that's great but yeah uh, Campbell Hatton back in action with something to prove I think um do you know what I mean? I think I think he's got a lot to prove because he's he's got a lot of criticism early, mm. um, especially after I think is about the, it might have been on the White Povetkin undercard actually, uh, where he had a or it might have been later than that where he had a fight anyway that people thought his opponent won, which he was pretty much meant to win. So
0: wasn't that? in... Yeah, it was. It, it was in Gibraltar. Yeah, I, I remember the whole hype. It was. What was it? What did they call it? The fight on the rock or something? Or the yeah, night on the rock? Yeah, yeah. Or something to do with the rock and um yeah. yeah you're right
1: um so i mean i think he's going to come back fiery with with the same hunger that we've seen in his uh in his father all those years ago and yeah right i'm just i'm i'm happy i'm happy with this year's situation cuz <laughs> i don't know he's just yeah he's he just manages to break down boundaries in terms of getting this gold medal now uh, last summer to have his pro debut as for the WBC international title, that's I. I don't know off the top of my head. Can't think of the last time that's happened. I'd probably say, forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I think it might be Lomachenko mm. that has only done that from from my from my memory. So um, he's he's in a very he's in a very special category here, and it's going to be a tough fight straight away. But that's what he wants, and obviously when we spoke to him, that's what he said, isn't it? That's what I've been saying. Soon as I saw this fight get announced, I was like, Well, your fight told us last year, he wants to get fast tracked, and he's going the right way about it straight away, not saying no to a fight. I, I can't say I've heard of this Bautista, but the fact that it's for a WBC international title shows that he's quality as well. So, yeah, it, I sh- it should be fireworks, and it's a great way to um, to beef up the card before the main event.
0: Yeah, it's a great, it's a stacked card, like you said, and it's a great, it really is a great card, but his. Uh, my thoughts on this: Would you rather go in like Fraser Clark, so straight out of the pro game, out of the Olympics, and and kind of start slow and then gradually work your way up, or do what Galau's done and he's he's come out of the Olympics with his gold medal and he's fast tracked his way in with a proper fighter for an international flyweight title, WBC international flyweight title. Um, what what's the better way to do it? What, what do you prefer? What's your opinion on it?
1: I think both b- both of these situations are different, and they're different because of their weight classes. I think there's a lot more. I think flyweight, just going by numbers, there's just a lot less flyweights, professional flyweights anyway. So mm-hmm. I think it's probably easier for, not saying it's going to be an easy fight or anything like that, but I think it's going to be easier for, uh, Galal to get his hands on a title, before before Fraser. We we've seen literally just discussing right then we know how hard it is to to get to the top yeah. of the crop with uh, in the heavyweight division. So I think, given the the division that Clark is in. I think he has to take that step by step and take his time with it. Um, and I'm pretty sure your father's like the same age or like just a bit younger. So I mean, both of them want a bit of urgency in their pro career, but I think yeah, it's probably easier for Galal to get his hands on a WBC international title than it is for Clark. So I can understand why they're both doing it uh, in two different ways.
0: Yeah, you, my friend, are a very wise man. <laughs> you, you've you've always got you've <laughs> always got the answer to. To every... I try, then I'm
1: not always correct. Don't, no, don't no, wrong.
0: I I, th- I think you're right. I think you have to consider that how competitive the the heavyweight game is compared to uh, the light the lighter divisions, and yeah, and, and you're right in saying that there aren't many. Obviously, you've got Sunny Edwards and Co. And, and in the lighter weights, but if you you reel off loads of names, you, I don't think you're going to get loads in terms of, of the
1: flyweights, yeah,
0: the pros in in the flyweight division and, and in the lighter weights. Um, but it, it's astonishing that British boxing at the moment. If, if you on the world stage on the world scene it's British boxing that's leading the way and that's credit to, to all of the promoters Frank Warren to Eddie Hearn to Ben Shalom and to everyone playing their part even to Bob Aaron uh, you know, to an extent Bob Aaron but, uh, but British boxing at the moment it, it's absolutely dominating I mean look at what we've been speaking about today yeah. Galal Fraser Kel Ami we're going to get on to uh, Josh Taylor in a minute it's crazy yeah
1: Lance um, Coley as well. Lance Coley, literally, the the list goes on, the list does go on, and it just makes you proud, you know.
0: It's just one week, by the way. This is just one week of boxing. Yeah, yeah. From Saturday night, <laughs> from Saturday night to to Sunday this week, it's
1: it's a madness, it's, and yeah, and no, no doubt these new these, uh, Olympic guys that are coming up now are, are going to be on the world stage within a few years. So, literally, watch watch out for those two. Um, I mean, even there's even more coming through. Caroline Dubois as well made a oh, debut. Yeah. Um I think I'm pretty sure Shaven Clark is forgive me if I said his name first name incorrectly, but um yeah, the, the heavyweight lad from the Olympics as yeah, well. Yeah, he's a bit he's, of upset in the Olympics for Yeah. For Clark. Yeah, it's not um obviously it wasn't wasn't his best performance, but same same with Peter McGrail, who's also who made his debut um But that happens in the Olympics year. as well. Exactly. It's it's a knockout stage, it's it's a lot. Um you can't expect medals out of everyone. And like most of the boys did their best, so this that squad that's been to the Olympics. Most of them are signing pro now, and that's the that's the next wave of of people, you know, of that are carrying British glory in in their hands. Really, that need to make an impact if they want to carry on. If well, we we want them to obviously because we want to be saying yeah, we got these champion, this champion, this one. Um. So yeah, if if they can do that, brilliant. So I just I know that British boxing is safe seeing what they've done in the Olympics and watching them come through now and uh, sign on to professional. So, yeah, so much going on in the British game right now. And there's always been a bit of a rivalry between kind of that and America. Um, I, th-
0: I think we're trumping them at the moment. I
1: think, yeah. I mean, when 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 we're looking pound for pound, obviously Mexico's doing their best. Canelo <laughs> uh, just yeah. Canelo carrying the yeah. way and probably Crawford. But uh, looking at it overall, as, as we're saying, uh, all the champions that we've got and other people that are coming through, it's just it's stacked it is really stacked and it's exciting times
0: I'd love to get all of our British boys in one room just, I, I, I get, just,
1: just get them all in the studio I ju- I'd just love just have to have see them massive... all in one
0: place and have a massive chat with we'd just everyone just have a
1: massive like, live stream and I mean that would be like a three hour uh,
0: podcast episode probably. I think we'd have journalists queuing out the door yeah 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 I <laughs> don't know how bo- we'd get all fans hands queuing on out of the, the door Could you imagine Anthony Joshua strolling into the union Derby <laughs> I don't think he's fitting through the door, Bring him
1: in. yeah imagine him and Fraser Clarke that, that's like four people well, in, in the, two
0: the, the amazing thing is that Fraser? And I didn't even know this. Fraser, at point in Anthony Joshua's career was his bodyguard, and like it was like he was on security for for some I of did AJ's not know fights. That. That's and insane. That when in the build-up to Fraser's debut, they were talking about how Fraser has gone from being Anthony Joshua's bodyguard and security guard to now being
1: his bronze his bronze title and on the uh, big stage. Debut. So
0: yeah, yeah that's an unbelievable story. And, and speaking of unbelievable British boxers and the last one to discuss this week is the undisputed super lightweight champion Josh Taylor Yeah, takes on Jack Catterall who actually I really like Jack Um, takes him on in Scotland on Saturday night these two don't like each other Yeah, and, and I was surprised because from what I know about Jack Catterall he's a, quite a quiet guy quite down to earth he's not a flashy boxer uh, I'm, not that Josh Taylor is particularly flashy but I was surprised with the exchange here's a little bit of it Catterall says I've been British British champion beaten unbeaten opponents Taylor says you haven't got a chance of beating me Catterall I don't have to match your nasty streak I'll beat I'll beat I'll beat you by just being me so Catterall unbeaten like I said I think he's a bit of a dark horse Taylor of course holds the WBA Super WBC IBF WBO, and the ring ring titles all the bouts. but then (laughs) Catterall has nothing to lose and, and that's very dangerous in boxing
1: yeah definitely um I was actually pretty shocked by the level of confidence that Cattle. I watched their gloves are off as well the confidence he brought in there he was speaking to Josh Taylor like there's not a doubt in his mind that he's going to beat that man on the weekend and I'm like I haven't I haven't seen that and for a while it continued
0: after the cameras were yeah, turned I'm, off Yeah well. I'm I'm not
1: surprised because Taylor's got that Taylor's got like a bit of a bit of nastiness in him um which which obviously you need especially in the ring but I mean a lot a lot of people have been saying over the years what, like what's happening to his profile? Why is it not getting? And I don't know if he just comes across. I just don't know if he comes across in in that much of a likable way, for 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 the general public. Anyway, I like him. I think do you know what I mean? I think he's he's a great boxer, and uh, I think he's great on a mic too. The the way he he, he speaks to he speaks to Cataro, and, and he was like, give it, you gotta give it the big, and haven't you? When when you're an undisputed champion, you have gotta say, look, do you know what I mean? I'm the man right he now. Is the I man. am the man. So. I, I respect that in him. Not sure if general public do. I don't know if that is down to anything of his profile grow, uh, growing or not growing. And it just it's a frustrating because every time he fights, I see it go under the radar, it frustrates me. Because I'm like, this is this is an upper echelon guy. I reckon he's knocking well, on the sure door I'm sure it was Josh five.
0: Taylor who, when he won his belts last time out, he had to wait like two weeks for his belts. I'm sure that was Josh Taylor. Yeah, it was, yeah. And he's got it in his living room now. And it's yeah. like the shrine to him, which I know a lot of footballers do. I think it was it might be Michael Owen that used to have his ball under or like floating Ugh. he would literally have it floating in this like machine and you could put your hands either side of it and it would just be floating there and so I know elite sportsmen do himself. tend to have shrines to themselves yeah. I know John Terry has one as well Yeah, um, but yeah Josh Taylor like you said he gets a lot of unnecessary stick and this is a man who's gone under the radar for way too long like Sonny Edwards
1: yeah definitely
0: and i I'd agree do you think it's just because they're not heavyweights
1: that's that's always the problem, isn't it? That's always a problem the lighter divisions get. Um and it's only it's only a few times that I mean, the thing is Taylor is a generational fighter. I was gonna say the only times they kinda get attention is when a generational fighter comes through, but that's exactly what Taylor is, so I don't know I don't know there's nothing where we can like put our finger point it down and say this is this is why this is happening But all all he can do is just keep beating people who get put in front of him and I just think maybe because he's with Top Rank as well, and that and that's over in America that he hasn't really. Because imagine him with Eddie Hearn, mm. and and I know Eddie Hearn would make it his mission. I don't think Aram is doing the same. Like he would make it his mission to get Taylor, get loads of content out around him, like do everything he can to boost his profile. That's why he's, make sure that he's Cicoli, out uh,
0: and look at Lawrence Kelly now. Lawrence Kelly went from working at McDonald's yeah to to being a world champion yeah. who's headlining uh, I, think I think it's Sunday night actually but he's headlining
1: it is Sunday night yeah and but so, no, no no, disrespect to Akoli but I mean his career hasn't even scraped the surface of, of what Taylor's achieved yet so so it's just mad that kind of Akoli's in that position whereas Taylor's more I guess he's just kind of more for an American audience but it, it'd be great if, if more people got involved in his career I do think he is gonna he's gonna hurt Catterall Castro doesn't win this fight. Um, no, exactly. And, but the, the thing is, as you said, he comes across a, he's a, comes across a really Pretty likable nice character as yeah. well. Um and and I really respected the amount of confidence he brought into those interviews and he's like, do you know, what? I'm I'm going in there, I'm going to do a job on you. Um whether that happens or not, I doubt it will because Taylor's just super talented, you know. He's coming off the best fight of his career against uh, Jose Ramirez. What a joke. What a joke of a performance that was. I was just I was I knew it is... I thought it was a proper 50-50 fight, but, I, I mean... And Ramirez obviously had his moments, but Taylor outclassed him, so that's why, after watching that, you look at Caterall. And it's good, because I like that they're giving the mandatory their chance. Caterall is is mandatory for one of the titles, so I understand why they're doing it, and, and they have to. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a challenge for Taylor.
0: Well, let's move on. I'll keep on the theme of game for titles, but we'll, we'll yeah. move on to to another sport and to a sport that we both love (laughs) in equal amounts and our boyhood teams are facing each other in the League Cup final on Sunday so it's Chelsea-Liverpool the League Cup final Chelsea have been up and down domestically especially look we've won the Club World Cup obviously we won the Champions League um, back in the summer and now we're kind of we're doing alright in the league we've got Lukaku who's just not firing on Cylinders that we thought he would, Kai Havertz, uh, and yeah, well, Kai Havertz has kind of come in now as uh,
1: almost a replacement, isn't it? Well, yeah,
0: sort of, sort of as a, a, when you
1: look at the Lille game, that's kind of yeah, kind of the yeah, he,
0: he's the, the temporary solution at the moment. Yeah. Like, I like Havertz; I think he's a very, very good player. He I mean, does a job for you, doesn't he? Well, he saw what he did in the Champions League final. He, he can
1: Champions League final, Club World Cup final with the pen. Exactly, he can stir up. Some I think damage. I think he's stepping up, and this is what
0: scares me for Sunday. Well, uh, Rom, if Rom doesn't start on Sunday then I think that's pretty much the end of Romelu Lukaku and Chelsea. And really? It, yeah, I think so. And, and then it's another example of a striker that's come to Chelsea, like Higuain, like Morata, like Fernando Torres, Romelu Lukaku, and, uh, like Falcao. All these strikers that come work. to Chelsea and for for whatever reason. And then you look at players like Salah uh, and Kevin De, Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, and so many talented yeah. young players have come to Chelsea and, and just haven't been able to cut it. And I, it's really hard to figure out why. It, you can't do you it-
1: it's too cool system and he doesn't want to bend it around one man I say, I say if, if that is the case you've got to make an exception and say look we put 100 mil on this guy we have to make we have to make our team work but, around but him but
0: then that's where as a manager you don't have a say on how much has been spent yeah. on a player yeah. I think if Antonio Conte was the manager of Chelsea Romelu Lukaku would be the best striker in the world right now but he's not and, and if my auntie had wheels then my grandmother had wheels <laughs> and she'd be a bike, bike <laughs> but uh nah, she doesn't so she's not um, so I, I think Chelsea play very well in finals
1: yeah that's, that's the thing um, well.
0: that's where I'd worry for you
1: this is where I'm uncomfortable because Havertz steps up and Chelsea as a team step up in, in finals um, every time without fail well not I mean yeah I, I doubt has, has Tuchel even since he's been here Is he, have you guys been in the final and lost I don't think so no. Champions
0: League Club World
1: Cup so those those two off the top of my head um but obviously when you're looking at form form versus form and the team's performance right now we're we're putting the literally breathing down Man City's necks in, in the Prem but this isn't the Prem do you know what I mean and um this is it's a big match so wembley as well wembley's yeah. a
0: big factor and chelsea chelsea know how to win at wembley
1: it it can it can go either way you would expect without thinking of those things right without thinking your history and finals wembley the rest of it um and just looking at like the last few games both teams have played i'd say liverpool should just be winning not comfortably but should be having a decisive score but then you put those you factor those things into it and then, boom! It's an even game as anyone's chance.
0: Yeah, interesting to see who starts in gold as well for Chelsea. Uh, right. I, I, I've never had a problem with Kepa. I, I, I'll, I'll say ever. That. Pretty, no, I don't. I think I was at the League Cup final and Kepa refused to go off the pitch. Yeah. and that was the only time where I thought, okay, this this guy's needs. But, but I think that was just a case of misunderstanding between. Sari who again I'm a really weird Chelsea fan because I, I love Sarri <laughs> I, I love Sarri but I love Sarri, Sarri and Kepa um, and, and I like Kepa you've
1: got to be in like a small percentage of Chelsea fans you like both of them
0: I think I am I, I'm a really odd Chelsea fan I love <laughs> Tuchel but I was happy with Lampard like yeah um, but so yeah it'll be a really good game of football um, I think Liverpool could perhaps edge it but I think if you go on history Chelsea will win it yeah so we'll see what happens I've only ever seen one Liverpool Chelsea final I was at the FA Cup final twenty. 20- well I want to say when Andy Carroll thought he scored didn't and Chelsea beat you? so yeah it'll be a good game of football one I'm looking forward to watching and I will sit here next week or whenever we're next here, and, um, yeah. we'll and one of and us will be crying about game. it <laughs> probably probably um, but that that's about it from the middlemen this week very boxing heavy but that's the way we like it and when there's so much going on at the moment you can't you can't just deny you can't <laughs> you ignore know, the God.
1: headlines and the talking points in boxing but hey when when it goes a bit stale, if it ever does, and there's a lot going on, probably later on this year when a lot of Champions League stuff goes on, then mm. you never know. Football fans, we might have a a football special for you. Might do. Just like you've had a boxing one today.
0: Well, I was just going to say one more thing. We'll end it on this. Bruno Andrade, Zach Parker, purse bids are being sorted. That's very exciting. That's happening. It's happening. Oh, that's very exciting.
1: That is yeah. Parker's deserved because He's been in the rankings. And Sandy long, Ryan's
0: fighting 12th of March, I think. Okay. Um, so that's also exciting local, yeah. big, local, local, big, big, bo- big stuff for the Derby local boxer up in Derby so yeah Dar- mm. Derbyshire Boxing but that's completely it's flyer. flying yeah. exactly but we'll talk about that another day nearer yeah. the time but cheers for listening guys um, as always enjoy chatting boxing and sport and having a good old catch up and yeah